What's your story? Once upon a time, you, right? Once upon a time, you. Something happened to you. Something didn't happen to you that you wanted to happen to you. What's your story? I love this question. I love this question. What's your story? And I I love to sit back and just listen to folks tell me their story. Keeps me from having to talk a whole lot. You learn a lot when you ask somebody that question. What's your story? Do you remember before and after certain things? Do you remember before kids? Think back just a minute. Do you remember before kids? Do you remember, do you remember after they left home? Do you remember that? Do you remember before marriage? Do you remember what your life was like before you got married? Those of you who are married. Some of you have lost your mate for one reason or another. Do you remember what it was like after they were gone? Do you remember before vacation? Maybe it's before your vacation now. Maybe you haven't taken vacation yet. And then you're, you're in this crazy mode, you know, because you've got to get everything ready. It's almost t- too tiring to get ready for vacation, right? You need a vacation to get rid of the vacation that you're trying to get rid of the vacation from, right? I mean, it, it's, it's just crazy. And then do you remember after vacation, all the catch-up that you had to do? Because you really shouldn't have gone on vacation because you really had too much to do. Do you remember before you went to school? Do you remember being a little bitty before you went to school? Do you remember what it was like to graduate after school? So many before and after. So many, so many stories. So many once upon a times in this audience. We could fill volumes. Do you remember before you were a Christian? Do you remember that time? Before you were a Christian? Maybe for some of you, that's, it's now. You haven't become a Christian yet. Do you remember what it was like right after you became a Christian? Do you remember what it was like to stand at the top of the steps wherever you were, or on the side of the creek, wherever you were? You going to come up here with me? Is that what you're going to do? Come on. Come on. Come on up here and get it, Daddy. <laughs> Do you remember, oh, did we drop them? We'll get them and jump. Daddy will pick them up in just a minute. Do you, do you remember, y'all don't remember what it was like before kids, do you? Y'all are laughing way too much. <laughs> Sometimes it's embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> He's a good boy. He sure is. Sometimes you stood on those steps and whoever the preacher was, or you stood on the bank of the creek or the river, whoever the preacher was, was in the water already. And you knew that your life was going to change. You knew that things were going to be better. Maybe you thought that somehow the, 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 the water would just make everything all right. Peace on earth, the whole push, you know? But do you remember after you became a Christian? 
and how you still had to go through the same old, same old. That boss was still there, wasn't he? The rules were still there. Heartache was still there. Tears were still there. Death was still there. But so was a new family. And so was a new life. Do you remember? Do you remember before and after? That's what I love about Galatians. And I hope you have your Bible tonight because you're really going to need your Bible. I'm going to have a lot of things on the screen. I hope I have all the scriptures on the screen. But really take a look at your Bible. Keep it in Galatians as I'm flipping back and forth through the, through the, through the different through the different scriptures. I love Galatians because it tells Paul's story before he was a Christian and after he became a Christian. It fills in some of the gaps that we, that, you know, when Sammy had his class in Acts, Galatians fills in some of those gaps for us about before Paul was a Christian and after Paul became a Christian. In Galatians chapter 1 and 2, we learn of Paul's story, his before and after, his before and after. Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 11, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds them of, of the gospel. Paul, in his letters, does this over and over and over again. He reminds them of the gospel. And, and, and those who run after a, a, a different gospel, they need to be brought back into line. Paul tells these Christians where he got the gospel from. And we, we like... And we, like we said last week, Paul authenticates the liberty. Paul authenticates the liberty that's found in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Paul, when he was Saul, he persecuted the church uh, in Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 here on the screen then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked for letters from them to uh, to the synagogues of Damascus that he if he found any who were of the way whether men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem as he journeyed he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven and Paul recounts this to some some Jews in In Acts 22, verse 4, I persecuted this way to death, blinding and delivering into prisons both men and women. He was a persecutor of the way. The way is the way we live today. The way of Christ. Look back at Galatians, verse 14. And I advanced in Judaism... Beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul certainly came from a a long line of of religious leaders. If you look over at Acts 23 and verse 6, it says, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, he's before the Sanhedrin here, and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. Paul's father, here we see, was was a Pharisee. 
Paul was a Pharisee. Paul studied, as we read in the, in the Scriptures, even under the great teacher Gamaliel. Uh, he's even considered today by the Jewish uh, people a great leader. Gamaliel, a great teacher. Paul had the pedigree and the power and the zeal to persecute. He thought he was doing God's will. Paul did. Paul saw he held the coats at Stephen's stoning in Acts chapter 7 verse 58. Acts 26 verse 5 it says, They knew me from the first if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. He was strict. He was hard. He was a hard man. Notice Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. But when it pleased God, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And we know nothing of Paul's Paul's mother. We're told here, uh, you know, uh, about his, his mother's womb here, but we know nothing about his, his mother really. It, it was God's plan, it says, to reveal his son to Paul, Jesus Christ. It was, it was God's plan to reveal Jesus Christ to Paul. And in Paul, from the beginning of his life, he was supposed to have this. God had planned this out for his life. Maybe you will be greatly used in the kingdom. Like Paul. Or maybe you will, without fanfare, give life to a Paul or or nurture a Paul. The gospel was revealed by to Paul by Jesus. Uh, the, the gospel was revealed uh, by Paul. He was heading to Paul. He was heading to Damascus to persecute more Christians. If we look at Acts chapter 9 verse 3, it tells of this account. And he journeyed. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Paul tells an angry Jewish crowd in Acts chapter 22, uh, beginning with verse 7. And I, and I fell down to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of the light, Paul was blind, according to Acts chapter 9 and verse 8. Being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came to Damascus. And Paul fasted and he prayed, Acts chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. He fasted and prayed, but that didn't save him. Fasting and prayer did not save Paul. It didn't take his sins away. But just like Jesus said, someone would come and tell him what he must do. And Ananias, as we read in Acts 22 and verse 16, told him, now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This was confirmed by Acts chapter 9 and verse 18. Paul was now in Christ Jesus. 
That's how you get into Christ. As we talked about this morning, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, if you want to be in Christ Jesus, you need to be baptized into Christ Jesus. If you've never been baptized into Christ Jesus, well, you're not in Christ. If you've been baptized for any other reason, then for your, the remission of your sins to be in Christ Jesus, if you were baptized to join some denomination, well... That's not what the Bible says baptism is for. Baptism is for the remission of sins. Baptism is to get into Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, the the truth will make you free. He said later on in John chapter 8, thy word is truth. God's word is truth. That's where we find the truth. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what the truth says. That's the truth that we must obey. If we haven't obeyed that truth, that simple truth, well, then we haven't obeyed. We've obeyed a lie. Maybe not so harsh. Maybe a misunderstanding. We misunderstood what God said. And so we need to obey the truth. Acts chapter 9, this is what happened to Paul after he was baptized, after he got into Jesus Christ, after he stood at his proverbial step into the baptistry, if you will. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 20. Immediately he preached, immediately, notice, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said... Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And Paul later, he had to escape this city. They had to let him down uh, in a basket by ropes outside the, the city walls. And so, but we understand from our passage in Galatians, that Paul, that his task was to preach to the Gentiles. That's what he was, that's what he was uh, made to do almost. He, we, we know from Galatians that Paul went to Arabia. Now, there, there's much speculation of why Paul went to Arabia. But from Galatians, we see that Paul was to preach to, to the Gentiles, right? That's what he was supposed to do. There are plenty of Gentiles, I'm sure, in Arabia, And Paul would have preached there. Paul didn't have to have the approval of the apostles. I want you to understand this. Paul didn't get this from the apostles. He didn't get the gospel from the apostles. He got the gospel from Jesus Christ. That's where he got the gospel from. That's where he got what he preached from. We here today, okay, we got what we're to preach from God's word. Paul did not have to ask permission of the apostles to go and preach the gospel. Fountainhead, we don't have to have the permission of the elders to go and preach the gospel. You don't have to have permission to do that. Well, there's nothing to do at Fountainhead. Go preach the gospel. Go preach. Go tell somebody the truth. That mandate has been given us. It's been given to us by Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Paul goes back to Damascus, chapter 1, 
verse 17, and then here in verse 18. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I, I do not lie. Notice the Acts account. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him, sent him out to Tarsus. Now, you go back to the Galatians account, verse 21. After I went, to the region, after I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. God was glorified because the Paul they knew was now the Paul that they could know, that they could be a brother with, that was preaching the same thing that that they were preaching. So many times our past life, it, it stops us. Notice about Paul. Notice about Paul. He became active in the work of the Lord after he became a Christian. He became very active. A lot of times, though, we become Christians, we go down into the water, and we have all of this hope and all of, this, all of these dreams inside of our mind before we go into the water. But, but after we come up out of the water, well... <laughs> We get kind of lazy. Lazy? Is that the good word? A lot of times we let our past stop us. Stops us from obeying Christ and proclaiming the gospel because we don't think people are going to believe us. Because of what we used to be like. But if you're a Christian, others will, will be good or, or not good with what you used to be like and what you are now. They'll be good or not good with your before and after. But if you're you're a Christian, you're putting God first in obedience, doing God's will and not growing weary in doing good, no matter how many people are helping, no matter how many people are hurting. Before his conversion, Paul was about what he thought the Lord's work was. He thought that was God's work. After he was converted. He continued in what he knew to be the Lord's work. It wasn't just what he thought. It's what he knew to be the Lord's work. We know of so many good people whose zeal is in the wrong place. Good people. They love saving animals. I mean, they're, I mean, they're good at it. 
We know so many who are in a denomination that they've never obeyed the truth. But they're so zealous for God. They love God. But their zeal is misplaced. Like Paul. I mean, think about it. It doesn't matter where you go to church, just so you go. So Paul was right in persecuting Christians. Hey, didn't matter where he went. No, that's not true. Paul had to put Jesus Christ on in baptism just like all Christians do. So many people, their zeal like Paul's was before he became a Christian, their zeal is is questionable. But now, when you become a Christian, it's unquestionable. Paul Paul writes in chapter 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. Did he actually climb up on a cross and have somebody nail his hands to it? No, that's not what he did. How do you become crucified with Christ? Notice Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? How did Christ die? He was crucified on a cross. Blood was spilt. We've got to come in contact with that blood, the blood of Jesus Christ to be saved. We've got to get in Jesus Christ to do that. The only way to get in Jesus Christ, according to this verse, is to be baptized into him. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. After being baptized into Christ, Paul helped make the prayer of Jesus a reality. In John chapter 17, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for all of those. I'm pointing to you guys out here in the audience. For all of those who will believe in me through their word, that they will all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us and the world may believe that you sent me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. That's how I'm saved, by faith. That includes hearing God's word and believing in and repenting of your sins and being baptized into Jesus Christ and confessing his name before others and then going into all the world and preaching the gospel to others all, and, and living faithfully until death. That's, that's your faith. I live by faith. My faith required me to obey Faith required Paul to obey, and Paul did. Before he was a Christian, he obeyed. Then he became a Christian. After he was a Christian, guess what he did? He had faith and he obeyed. He continued to obey. 
If you were just baptized and that was it, if you stood at the top of the steps and you went down into the waters of baptism and that's all you've ever done, that was it for you, ding, it's over, you just got wet. You've got to continue in the faith. You've got to continue to be faithful. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me is the end of that Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Paul goes on, verse 21 of chapter 2. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in in vain. But being right with God did not come through the law, including the Ten Commandments. Being right with God comes through obedience. We must do what we have been created to do. Good work, Christians. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. As we've seen, Paul, he he leads by example, doesn't he? He leads by example. Out of of towner drove his car into a ditch. And luckily there was a farmer with a big, strong horse. Horse's name was Buddy. And the farmer hooked, farmer hooked that horse Buddy up to the car. And he said, pull, Nellie, pull. Buddy just sat there. And he said, pull, Coco, pull. Buddy, he just, he just sat there. He said, pull, Ramses, pull. Buddy just sat there. And then real quietly he said, Pull, buddy, pull. Buddy pulled that car out of that ditch real easy. And the out-of-towner, he was so happy. He was so happy, but he was curious. He said, why did you call that uh, horse the wrong name three times? He said, well, well, buddy's blind. And if he thinks he's the only one pulling, he won't do a thing. <laughs> do you get that way sometimes? Do you think you're the only one pulling? You're the only one doing anything. Do you get that way sometimes? Let me give, do you need an example? Let me give you an example. Have you ever said or have you ever heard somebody say, why should I pour my time and effort into the work of the church? Nobody seems to care. Nobody cares. Or have you heard this one? Why should I put forth the extra effort to do a good job at work? No one else does. It wouldn't be appreciated anyway. Or, why should I be nice to him or her? They're certainly never going to be nice to me. Like Elijah in the cave, we say, God, I alone am left. There's nobody else. Nobody else is faithful. Nobody else is trying, God. But God told Elijah, there were 7,000 on his side. 
like Elijah and Buddy, we may be blind to what others are doing around us. But even if we are, even if we are, we are the only one, the right thing still continues to need to be done. And who's going to do it but you? Paul writes at the end of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 6, of his example and, and what our attitude should be toward the work of the Lord. Galatians 6, verse 6, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, as we've read, as we read this morning in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, sows that he will also reap. Now, if we don't sow anything, can we truly expect to reap anything? For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The natural man, we talked about him this morning, the carnal Christian, they'll reap corruption. But the spiritual will live forever. Verse 9 of chapter 6, And let us not grow weary. I think that's what we do. We grow weary. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So, what's your story? What's your story? What's your once upon a time? What have you sown? What will you reap? Are you weary? Are you heavy-hearted? Do you feel like you're the only one pulling like Buddy? Don't lose heart, Paul says. That's what he did. That's the example that he gives us here in Galatians. Don't lose heart. Keep pulling. Keep working. Keep struggling. Keep fighting. The good fight of faith. Do you remember... Before you were a Christian, I asked you at the beginning about that. Do you remember before you were a Christian? Let me, remember, let me remind you. Let me give you a little refresher of what it was like before you were a Christian. Before you obeyed the truth. Okay? Here's what it was like. You were lost and you were without hope. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12. You had no spiritual blessings before you were a Christian. None. You had no spiritual blessings. You may have had worldly blessings. You may have had earthly blessings. But you had no spiritual blessings. Because they're all in Jesus Christ. You were lost and without redemption. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Your only future was to die two deaths. 
Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 is appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. And the second death is that spiritual death. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15. If Paul would have continued outside of Christ, he would have been lost. He would have been without hope. He would have been without redemption. He would have had a bleak future. Paul obeyed the gospel. If you've obeyed the gospel, then you have salvation in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. You have forgiveness of sins in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. In Christ, you're a new creature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Therefore, chapter 6, verse 10 of Galatians. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. What's your story? What's your story? Are you in Christ? Are you weary? We've had one sister this this morning who told us that she was tired. She was weary. She she'd had enough. There were things just stacking up. Is that you? Is that your life? Has it gotten too much? Do you need help? We're here to help you. We want to help you. We want to grow close to you and, 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 and find out what it is that you need and, and, and love you enough to give you what you need. Maybe not what you want, but what you need. I think that's the essence of it, isn't it? Love. So much work to do. If you can't find anything to do in the church, ask. Ask one of the deacons. Ask one of the elders. Hey, you don't have to have permission to tell folks about Jesus. You don't have to have permission from anybody. You've been given permission by Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. Imitate Paul today. If you haven't, then obey the gospel. If you have and you're weary and you've quit, hey, renew your commitment. Do so right now as together we stand.